0: If you know me, you know writing is my first love. So I'm happy to be in the series called The Writer's Room. We're talking to authors and talking about books and even the writing process in this series. So if you are a reader, a writer, or you just have a story and like listening to people talk, this is the show for you. Pens and papers ready. Class is now in session. Hey, kings and queens, welcome to Define You Radio. I am your host, Valencia Griffin-Wallace. Today we are talking about the anthology slash devotional, I Told the Storm. We have Queen Juanita, which is one of the co-authors in the book, and she has a very interesting story. But in order for you guys to get the full story, of course, you have to get the book. So let's go ahead and welcome Queen Juanita to the show. Hey, Queen, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, I'm doing well. I cannot complain. How about you?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So I told the storm, what made you want to be part of this project?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I believe I've been through so many different storms and I think for me, what has helped me is listening to the testimonies of others and how God was able to pull them out of the storm and it just being a source of encouragement for me. And so I thought that it would, you know, be in my best interest and others to share my testimony so that it could just show the power of God and just how great God is and how no no matter how far you think you've gone, God can still reach you.
0: Hmm. Hashtag amen.com. So (laughs) before (laughs) we kind of get into, uh, you know, the writing and a little bit about your story in the book, how many books have you written or is this your first?
1: Um, this is actually the third, um, book that I'm actually part of. I've written two books so far, um, by myself. One was One is called Lifted Faces, um, Transforming Through the Word of God. And then the other one is called She, She Has Evolved Journal, journaling the process of evolution. Um, And I did that. The journal was for young girls that I mentored, which both are available on Amazon. As a
0: mentor, you work with exclusively
1: young girls? So I'm part of the girl empowerment movement for the New York City Department of Education. And so that's primarily girls. But however, in the grand scope of schooling um, right now, the class that I have is nothing but boys. So although I'm primarily a girl mentor, female mentor, um, I do work with the gentlemen and the young men as well.
0: So, what do you see is the uh, biggest difference between mentoring girls versus boys?
1: It's a different kind of thing because girls, you know you you really have to be well, with both of them, you have to carefully navigate what you say to them and how you are. But I think with boys, you kind of have to be a little bit more firm. With them, especially being a woman, and you have the challenges kind of sort of thinking how they think. And it's it's a challenge because, you know, I was always told, you know, a man can't raise a woman, um, but you can pour into them. So just thinking about boys are going to share with you certain stuff where you're like, I don't have no idea (laughs) what she's talking about. Or you know, like when they start talking about you know the the body development and different things, and you just sitting there like, "Mm." so we gonna have this conversation. But now I kind of have to think like them, or I have to talk to some male friends and say, listen, this is a situation. I need your help on this because I'm not a boy. I don't really understand. You know, I, I can tell them the general stuff, but there's some things that. I'm not going to be able to answer for them that that's going to be something where I have to work and use my connections with other men that mentor to help me build relationship with these boys. And even with the girls, it's all about um, being human and showing them respect and just showing them like, listen, I understand where you are. I was once there, Hmm. you know, so, um, but for, for both of it, it's a for both boys and girls. It's it's an awesome challenge that I embrace.
0: So, um, what age group is that? Is that um, middle high school, a mixture of both, or?
1: So right now, I work with elementary school. i um, students, which um, you know from first grade to fifth grade. But primarily for the girls is fourth and fifth grade, and. Um some of the things though, you know, people think when you just mentor <laughs> uh young girls that are like in elementary school, like, oh you got it easy. I'm like, okay.
0: Can I would think it um it would be harder cuz I have a niece. Um <clears throat> she's in 5th grade, but her whole mm-hmm. life she has been uh she came out grown. That's Okay. but not like in a sassy way but in just the questions she would ask the things she would have to do and I think that's great you work with elementary school kids because I think not saying older kids can't be helped but kind of with elementary you kind of got a chance to deal with some of the issues like being proactive before they get into that.
1: Yes and you know I guess it's a Sometimes it could be a little bit challenging because you have to, you know. We always say, well, back in my days, you know, we did it this way. And so, you know, I have to, you know, I grew up old school and my, my grandparents and stuff like that are from the South. So they didn't play certain games with us. And as far as talking back to adults and your mannerism, there were certain things you knew automatically not to do. So when you're dealing with children, especially in elementary school, and they have, you know, they sass, or they have certain situations going on. You're like, you know, back in my days, you know, my head would have been rolling. <laughs> but you have to stop and say, you know, times have changed, parenting has changed, um, the way that you navigate and building relationships with these kids have changed. And then nothing, nothing, a lot of these children come in with more weight than some of the adults that you deal with. And and you have to keep in mind, if you have adults that um, struggle with coping mechanisms. What do you think a child in elementary who is in transitional home or has been touched before or does not have a, a good place to sleep or food to eat or they come in and they have body odor and or they're dealing with ACS and different things and now you want them to focus in school and they're drilling you with, you got to do academics, but it's like, well, I know my profession of teaching but I really do believe that children have to, you have to help them Maslow before they can bloom. You have to meet their hierarchy of needs before you can get them to think critically. So how do we do that without crossing the line and mentoring and being teachers?
2: Mm.
0: I I see a whole other show just <clears throat> coming from yeah. this because you've you hit so <laughs> many things. Um. And w- one of the things I realized before we kind of get to talking about the book, um, mm-hmm. one of the things that I realized, and I've had to point the finger, is because we can't talk about kids these days without pointing mm-hmm. to people our age that gave birth and raised Yes, them. yes,
1: yes. And then you also have to think about their parents, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that are our age. What cycles? have they been in? What cycles are they repeating? You don't know, you can't really attack their parents' skills because maybe that's all that they've seen. That's all that they know. So it's like, okay, I gotta help the children, but now I have to find a way to kind of uh help the parents and help the adults without seeming like I'm coming off condescending or they're doing something wrong. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I, I need to come to you, but not in a judgmental form. Just like listen, we are the village. We are part of a community. We are learning this together. I'm no better than you. Parenting doesn't come with a manual, nor a script. Mm. And um, I think sometimes <clears> as educators, you know, we we forget that because we feel like we need to tell people what to do and <laughs> you're not going to win too many battles doing that. You,
0: look, you just read me my rights. That's, oh Lord, because sometimes <laughs> I just... I would much, um, I love helping women, especially women that have, you know, have had issues. Um, but I'm a very no excuse, um, uh, person. And even though, you know, I try not to come across that way. That's kind of like, I like people to either know somebody that really knows me or I give them that disclaimer. Because I'm very no holds barred, but it comes from a place of been there, done that, and Mm -hmm. love. So, would you rather, and be 100% honest, would you rather work with kids or adults in in that mentoring capacity?
1: Who (laughs) is Jesus? Wow. So, that is the question that I've been asking God for a while because I do believe that, you know, I love speaking to women. I love doing the women's mentoring. Um, However, like even now being, you know, in school to be a school builder leader and I always joke, I'm like, you know, I could take the kids. Y'all take the adults because I just can't. You know, (laughs) sometimes, you know, the kids demonstrate more of a maturity level than some of the adults that mm-hmm. you have to encounter that you're trying to help. And it's like, listen, I can understand kids cause you know, they still growing, they still maturing, but you know, adults, Jesus, that's a special kind of anointing that <laughs> I need to make sure that you place on me. um, Because, you know, for me, I think God has been dealing with me a lot on compassion. So yes, when you talk to me, I, I am nowhere. I'm straight talk, straight understanding. Like, I'm gonna tell you exactly what it is. But with that, it's also the very compassionate, graceful part of me that is very understanding. But then the part of me that is straight talk, straight understanding gets a little frustrated if you take that compassion and grace for granted and I feel like you got a million excuses and now mm-hmm. I feel like now I have to flip the switch on you. All right, no. This is how it's <laughs> gonna be and you're not we're not moving we're not moving around that. I don't wanna hear your clauses, your butts, uh however we don't wanna hear that. This is what it is and this is what it's gonna be.
0: I, um, and I guess this is a a conversation we'll definitely have, uh, maybe either on the show or privately, you guys just stay tuned. But honestly, um, I understand kids better Mm -hmm. and, um, kids are, children are easier, like to, to deal with. And they, you, long as you know, their needs you know, if they have a crap mom at home, um, they need that mothering without mothering type situation. And sometimes right. that's the case with adults as well, but, then yeah. that, um, you having to, to battle like, girl, you need, you don't need a mentor. You need me to mother you, but in a way you got to tiptoe around the truth a whole lot. So yeah. uh, I'm definitely with you with that battling myself type thing uh, with that. But like I said, we definitely going to <laughs> dis- discuss that. So with with all of that going on, uh-huh. how did you find time? Well, no, before I ask that, did you discuss do you discuss your writing with your, um, you know, with your biological kids and with the kids you mentor? Like, do they know you're a writer?
1: Um, so, yeah, so my boys, they definitely know I'm a writer because for the most part, I never go anywhere without an electronic device, be it iPad, laptop, or some kind of notebook or <laughs> something to write with. Um, So they definitely know that mom is a writer and this is what she does, whether it's writing the book or writing spoken word poetry, Um, she's a writer. For my students, they also know that I'm a writer um, because during some of our convenience, I've had the opportunity to read a portion of my book. And then the last year, um, over 300 girls were gifted the journal that I wrote for the mentor group. Um, So and then this year, I'm trying to actually get them to write a book of their own. So they Mm. definitely know that um, writing is one of my passions. I do not care for the mechanics of writing because i like to <laughs> free write um <laughs> i guess that's why i more, I'm more so i love poetry spoken word because it's free form you don't really have to worry about the you know grammar and you know punctuation and all that thing, the mechanics of writing and the english vernacular whereas when you're writing for a particular audience whether it's formal or informal you still have to Make sure that your writing is on point, so that your message doesn't get lost in that.
0: See, I um, I I love that everything you you just said, and I think that's awesome. Me and uh, my mom wrote points. I get caught up in the mechanics of it, like, okay, should this rhyme? How many syllables? <laughs> Like, I would love to be able to write poems. Not saying I can't, but I think I would overanalyze it more than I would actual, you know, like writing a book or a chapter or something. I know you don't have to write stuff that rhyme, like in a poem. But knowing that and actually it going into my head and saturating my poems is not going to happen.
1: I think it's the opposite for me. So it takes me nothing. I could sit right here and you and I could have a conversation. And by the time I get off the phone with you, I could have a whole poem written and think nothing of it. But when it comes to formal writing, it's just like, Jesus, you have to take the wheel. I know what I (laughs) want to say, but, you know, I have to worry about, you know, my sentence structure is it too much in one pet? Like that's, that takes a lot of thought and processing for me. So it's like, can I just write it and then somebody else just edit it? Because I just, that just is not my thing. And I, I remember,
0: um, even with what I do, I had to learn the new rules because when I was in school, it was double space after the period. Mm-hmm. So now it is one space after the period. I'm like, Make yeah. it make sense, and I'm so glad my my computer automatically will correct that because I still am a double spacer after the period, <laughs> like space bar twice.
1: So Girl, you just you just taught me something new. So
0: there, What that is that it's a single space after the period. Now? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, because I did not know. Thank you. When when did that change? How did this happen? Who consulted Mm-mm. anybody? And how is that important in the grand grand scheme of education anyway?
1: Right. No one is going to know if you double space or single space. I'm not really sure. When did you find time to write? When did you
0: find time to write for this? <sighs> so it's a challenge. I heard the
1: because... sigh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a challenge um, because... I have to manage time well. And then, you know, my boys, when they want my attention, it's like, mom, I need 100% of you. And then school is like, I'm a stickler when it comes to school. Like, I can't, you know, achieve anything less than an A or B. So it's like, I need to make sure I'm doing my homework. I need to do that. And then at work, it's like the same thing. And so when it comes to writing, I'm like, all right. I'm gonna have to shut down, and I'm gonna have to get to a quiet place. Sometimes that might mean God is waking me up early, you know, in the morning where the house is quiet and there's nobody there. Or sometimes when I'm sitting at work and I have a free moment, I'll just sit there and I'll write. And on my prep, I'll just be sitting in my classroom quietly, just writing. Or if I'm going at a function of some, or some or something of that nature. And it's not really that appealing to me. I'll just go off on the corner somewhere and write. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, but I think most people that know me, that they know that I like to write. They know I'll get quiet and I'll just go somewhere off to the side. And I have my iPad and I'll just start writing right there. Hmm. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah my I phone. Think there's,
0: uh, <laughs> there's no excuse not to write. I just want to throw that out there. So... <laughs> I know that your chapter is Power in the Storm. Why don't you um, tell us a, just a little bit about that, just a little.
1: Power in the Storm. Wow. So I was thinking about that question and that title, and I'm like, okay, God, why do you get like Power in the Storm? And I think for me, um, because I've been through several different storms, And as I was laying there thinking about it, I said, okay, God, power in the storm. And so the scripture, the thing that came to mind was, you know, a just man falls seven times but gets back up again. But how that just man gets back up is connecting to the right source. So sometimes we go through storms. And then we wonder why we're in that same cyclone or that same uh, thunderstorm or whatever storm it may be. But it's like, well, what did you connect to? What was your source during that storm? You know, did you stay connected to yourself? Did you stay connected to the wrong people? Because if you're connected to the wrong power surge, then they're not going to be feeding you the right information, or they're going to burn you out and they're going to make your condition worse than when you went in the storm. And so, for me, um, being able to overcome the various storms was learning, like, oh snap, I got to connect. Yeah, I got to be very c- careful and deliberate with who I connect to and what I connect to when I'm in the summer. Is it going to be an anchor or a weight? Is it going to help anchor me and anchor my faith while I'm going through the storm or is it going to weigh me down or cause me to fly away during the storm? So I think for me, power in the storm was, listen, you need to make sure that you have the word of God holding you down, serving as your anchor so that, you know, when the enemy or the inner me or other people start coming for you, you're able to speak the word and stand on that word because you've meditated on it. You've read it. You've digested it. You you understand what God is saying and revealing to you um, during that season. So I think for me, power in the sun just simply means like, you got to be strategic in your connections. You can't just plug in or allow everything to plug into you. And you got to know who your source is. You got to know that. You know, God is your source that when you're you're weak, you got to tap into him because he's going to give you that storm. And so for me, as going through the storm, it was very important for me. Like, I got to stay connected to people that are going to hold me accountable. Mm. i got to stay connected to people that wise counsel and that and and for me that is one powerful lesson of wise counsel. sometimes we take that for granted, and that 's one of the sources of power when you 're in a storm. That wise counsel and and, and not being defensive with the wise counsel and looking at them like they're telling you something wrong and they don't understand or they're being judgmental. No, they actually have your best interest at heart. And some of the storms that I went through, I probably wouldn't have had to go through had I listened to and heeded to the advice of wise counsel. That was my power source in this time of the storm. So, um if I had to encourage anybody that's going through a storm is that one of your power sources that you, you, you know, it would be great to connect to during your storm is wise counsel outside of having God, your relationship with God and those seeds planted in your heart. uh, Wise counsel is another power source that's going to keep you through the storm.
2: Mm.
0: And I know um, that in your story, you know, you were, advised a few things so what exactly was the storm that you talked about in your story
1: so the storm that I talked about was a transitional period where I began dating someone in church and was warned no you might want to take a slow with him you know but things happened so quick and You know, he was like, oh, we're going to get married. Um, Before you know it, we were pregnant. And then things just kind of got really um, out of hand really quickly. Um, And it was crazy because during that time, when I started finding out the different pieces of his life, I did not want to go back to my wife's counsel, my family Mm -hmm. or my friends that warned me um, because, now the guilt the shame and it's like dang I don't want to go back to him because now it's like mm-hmm, you should have <laughs> listened I bet you if you listen you wouldn't have went through that I bet you won't do that again when are you gonna learn stop being so stubborn stop being so hot and, and you know you start hearing these different things and you're like Forget it is. I don't want to talk to nobody I'd mm-hmm. rather just deal with it by myself than have to deal with people that are going to browbeat be, brow me for making a mistake when nine times out of 10, they've bumped their head a few times. But yeah. because of my transparency um, and and who I am, it's like, no, listen, I'm hurt. <laughs> it's like, like, I know I should have listened. I One, I should have listened to God first. That's the first person I should have listened to. And I'm already, the Holy Spirit is already convicting me because I didn't follow his direction. And now I got to deal with y'all. I got to deal with the Zay ministry, you Mm. know? And the the Zay ministry sometimes supersedes what God Is saying about you or feeling about you because God is going to extend His love and arm. He and He's going to. I need to repent of most of course, definitely. But I have as long as I'm coming to God. Like, listen, God, I messed up. I'm not pretending. I'm not giving Him no projected image. But I'm being real. Listen, God, I messed up. Hmm. This is this is my area of weakness. This is where I'm falling short. I'm dealing with a void that I don't really know how to deal with this. Mm. And so you know, for me, it was just like, listen, you gotta get it together. you gotta tap in. And that's one of the reasons why I chose that storm because that changed the whole dynamics of my life. It grew me mm. spiritually. Then my career changed, and right in the midst of that storm, where I was an officer for eight years and I just walked away from a base salary of about eighty six thousand and then you know, factoring everything. And went to teaching and took a forty thousand dollar pay cut, and people thought I lost my mind. Like, yo, this storm got her crazy. You know what <laughs> <me>? <laughs> and for a second, I thought I was crazy. That like, I wish I didn't go through that storm, but I almost feel like if I didn't go through that storm, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I probably wouldn't have birthed, you know, the two books, or even been in the place where I am now spiritually.
0: Well, you got more power in the storm than uh, most people would have had. So uh, for for y'all that's listening, I know y'all just, ooh, tell me more, tell me more. You got to get the book to, to get the, the intricate details and uh, find yeah. out Queen Juanita's exact journey. So speaking of the book, how can the audience get the
1: book? Yes, the audience could get the book by going on to Amazon. Um, I have to remember it's bitly. I've 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 texted so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I should I should know it by heart by now. Uh bit I, I really
0: should flash the storm book. If you yes. to that link.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much just cuz I Y'all have to forgive me. I have like a, a book and you know, what's crazy is that it's um the link is actually on my um Instagram page and in my profile. And so I should have known that like <laughs> bit.ly slash the star And it's right there where people can <laughs> click on it and go and take, she's right there, you know? So my Instagram is Nita J. Waltz in the, the, the link for the book is bit.ly slash the storm book. But when you click on the link, it'll take you straight to Amazon. You can put it, you can gift it to a friend, to another friend. You know, it is definitely going to bless you. There are some amazing women and amazing different stories on there that will be sure to bless you.
0: Are you working on anything
1: right now?
0: Any writing projects or, you know?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, I I am currently working on this book where 50 Women Praying. So um, I'm actually currently working on that. And actually, my submission is actually I submitted it. So I'm waiting to hear back from the edit. And then the next out of the box thing for me is to actually put myself out there with my spoken word. So I'm actually supposed to do spoken word for the youth in front of the youth and their parents and stuff uh, actually next Wednesday for after school, which I don't know why, but I'm super nervous. When it comes to my spoken word, I get more nervous than I do about the actual stuff behind my testimony or my books, Mm. (laughs) which is weird. But I think with poetry, you have to be a little bit more vulnerable. I don't know. Yeah. So
0: how can the audience (laughs) connect with you?
1: So on Facebook and on Instagram is Nita J Walt, N-I-T-A-J, W A L T, Nita J Walt on Facebook and on Instagram. My email is the same as Nita J Walt at gmail.com.
0: Let's go ahead and welcome Queen Deborah to the show. Hey Queen Deborah, how you doing today?
3: I'm doing well. And yourself?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm really excited to talk to you about one project in particular. But before we get into that,
3: how many books have you written? Well, I've co-authored four books. I'm not all that comfortable with just doing my book yet, and so I figured if I get on the co-author project with, you know, with some other ladies, then that'll make me comfortable and get me used to writing, you know, different books, so that way I can go out on my own.
0: Okay, it's kind of like testing the water before you jump head first.
3: Yes. (laughs) I guess working on these co-author projects is kind of, you know, helping me kind of like get over that nervousness. Um, So I I feel like I'm ready now to do my own thing.
0: Awesome. So what is the journey of writing for you? Like, what was the process?
3: On this project, it was more about, um, you know, like some healing, you know, some healing and, you know, kind of like getting my thoughts down on paper and having someone to kind of like look at it and say, okay, you need to change this. You need to be more, I guess, realistic or more human. So that's what this project was for me.
0: Okay. And the the project we're talking about today in particular is I Told the Storm. Yes, which whenever I hear I told the storm, I think about, you know, of course, the song. In writing this project versus, let's say, some of the other ones you've been on, what did you find was different?
3: Well, the one thing that was different was um, I wrote about a painful time in my life. And on the other books, I really didn't. um, You know, this one went back some years when I was a child. So, it kind of pulled some things out of me, um, you know, where, you know, I feel like other people can relate to, you know, going through some of the pain that I went through as a child because it happened to them too.
0: And what is, what was your chapter called?
3: My chapter was called Storms Come and Go. Mm.
0: Now you talk about something you dealt with as a child in, in your childhood. So what? Was that without giving away, you know, the the chapter? What did you go through in your childhood that you wanted to share?
3: Well, in my childhood, um, where I was molested as a child, and for a long time, I never could talk about it with my family. I mean, it was easy for me to talk about it with my friends. And in talking with it to my friends, I realized that, you know, a lot of them were molested also. So you know, it was just so easy for me to kind of, like, talk to them. And it's like I didn't talk to my family because, you know, I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. And you always think, like, maybe it's something I did to cause it. But really thinking about it, you can't make a grown person do something that they know is wrong.
0: I, I know a lot of people, quite a few people, more more than I would like to say, have— in- dealt with or have been molested or violated as a child, including myself, and I've shared bits and pieces of that in things I've written and also on the show. Are you worried about the questions after, let's say, your family and friends read the book? Are you worried about what questions they may ask after they read it?
3: No, I'm not, because my immediate family, I kind of talked to them about, and some of my friends, They you know, they know.
0: Do you see where it affected or showed up in your adulthood?
3: Yes, I, I did. Um, initially, um, I was kind of, like, promiscuous, and then, you know, I was just had, like, some reckless behavior in my, I guess, my 20s, my 30s, and... I feel like it was all a part of, you know, what I went through because I never really talked about it and I really didn't have like a breakthrough until one day I was in church and I think the pastor was talking about something and it's just like all of a sudden I just started crying, you know, tears rolling down my face. So, and then that's when I kind of talked to, you know, some of my family, some of my friends about, you know, what actually happened to me.
0: It's like you took took your power back when you needed to, you know, like got that off of you when you felt like you were ready. Now, you mentioned that telling your story was healing for you. How so?
3: It was healing because I didn't have to be ashamed anymore. I didn't have to kind of like keep quiet um, I think, you know, with that Me Too movement that came out when, you know, a lot of women were talking about, you know, being sexualized, sexually assaulted. Um, it was kind of like freeing to know that, you know, these powerful women are are coming forward talking about their story. And I could relate because it happened to me.
0: You, you know, the Me Too movement, a lot of people don't know this. But it was actually started by a black woman. The whole purpose of it was to deal with the violation of young black women.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I may be saying it wrong, but that's what it, what it had to do with ninety nine point nine percent and then it just kind of went from there and a lot of people don't don't know that that that's really how it started because you think about the conversations when you have with your friends about you know being violated as a child what do they say it happened to me too yes so um that's just a little interesting fact a lot of people don't know I can't recall her name at the at this time but it was actually started by a a black woman to deal with, you know, a lot of the childhood trauma violation that a lot of black women have dealt with. And we don't talk about it a lot. And I'm very proud that you, you found your strength to be able to do that.
3: You know, I did a video. I did a live video. I found myself, you know, getting choked up, you know, talking about, you know, some, you know, just being violated by an adult. Those were some of the things you know I had to deal with with when it came to writing. Just trying to go back and kind of like relive that mm. whole experience.
0: You know, a lot of people don't have the strength to do that. I know a lot of people that have started writing their story, and when they get to certain parts that really emotionally affected them, they'll stop. They can't get past it. Right. And I can co- I completely understand but there's definitely healing in writing
3: they are taking back the power to be you know a victim so that's what I want them to to kind of take away from my story and that it's okay to speak out
0: how yes. can the audience get in touch with you
3: um they can get in touch with me through my email mrsivey at hotmail.com
0: Let's go ahead and welcome Queen Angela to the show. Good evening. Is this your first time writing or have you written other
2: things? This is my first time having my writing. published. I actually have written a book that um, has been sitting uh, in my office for two years now. So has
0: writing this inspired you to go ahead and pull the trigger, so to speak, on your next project?
2: It really did. It gave me so much confidence and just kind of gave me that extra kick that I needed to go ahead and, and move forward.
0: Awesome. Now, I'm a firm believer that in order to be a great writer – you have to be a reader.
2: So what's the last book that you read? The last book I read was a book by Lisa Turker and it's called, it's not supposed to be this way. Mm. Is that yeah.
0: nonfiction or fiction?
2: It's actually nonfiction. I believe. What, what um, was it about? She talked about, just when things hit us in life all of the experiences um that we face in life and things that come at you that you didn't expect um and so she actually had um some health issues um in the middle of her having um some marital issues and going through separation And so all of these things that she had to deal with, you know, Mm. pretty much at one time, Um, you know, because there are things that happen to us in life. And, yeah, you're like, God, what is this? This is not supposed to be this way. You know,
0: I may have to put that on my 2020 reading list right now. I am. Yes reading again or rather i had to kind of go back start over and now i'm finishing the 50th law which is from the same uh guy that wrote the 48 laws of power Mm -hmm. so the 50th 50th i can't talk today the 50th law is um he's talking about 50 cent um, oh. and how basically unknowingly he used the 48 laws of power, basically, you know, adversity, um, different things like that to actually propel himself. He saw the problem. He lived in a problem. How can I change it instead of dwelling on problems, so to speak? So, um, yeah. you know, I have my own personal feelings about 50 cents. And a lot of those people, but, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes you got to ignore the messenger to get the message. Exactly. Let's talk about your writing in I Told the Storm. What made you say, okay, I want to be part of
2: this project? Well, first of all, when I, when I read the title and um, it just, kind of, um, you know, how you have that moment when you're like, wow, you know, Um, because a lot of times people don't like to talk about their storms. Mm. They don't like to talk about them. They pretend that nothing is going on. And I mean, even in situations where, I mean, the waters are raging, you know, the wind is blowing them to and fro and people still don't like to talk about um, they don't like to talk about their storm and they don't or rather most people think that they're the only one and no one will understand so when I read the title and when I, I realized this is what the book was about that's what made me want to share my story and to be a part of the project.
0: Was it difficult for you
2: telling, you know, telling your story? At times, it's almost like I, it's almost like I go back to the situation. I go back to the the feelings. I go back to, you know, the, and I can feel everything that I felt, you know, during that
0: time. Even for someone that's, you know, published a lot, you know, I've spoken with people that have published a whole lot of books, you know, way more than me. And then I've spoken with people that are still trying to get the story out. And anytime that you're writing about your personal life, it it can be an emotional process. Um, some more than others you know to me you know to be an effective writer you almost have to like relive it and hear the sounds and smell the smells that yeah. bring you back to that moment your story or your your chapter so to speak was called my will
2: for his way so when one of the I'm going to say one of the other things that so difficult and the reason why I've, I've been sitting on my entire story for a few years now is that I I had to be sensitive to my husband's his feelings as well because he was also in the situation of obviously played a major role and so I had to write so that I told my story and just my story and, and not his because I felt like his story is for him to tell so that was kind of difficult too and that's why it's, it's been so hard um really writing the entire story because just being sensitive to him and and his his feelings um toward everything there was a point when my book actually when I first finished my book he just wasn't ready for me to release it. Um, and then that's just being honest. And so um so did um, he sh- um did he just say no without reading it? He he never said no, don't but mm-hmm. you know, you know, we, we know our husband. Yes. Um <laughs> and um then he got to a place where he said well you know if it's gonna help other people, you know, just share it. He doesn't like to talk about it. I really don't know if he will ever even read it. He uh, he's so supportive of me in anything that I do, and I mean anything that um, I do. And so this, I know he will be supported in spite of. If if we had never reconciled, it probably would have been easy. So yeah, so it, that that made it um, that made it kind of kind of hard. If y'all
0: had not reconciled it would have been written from a different place but being that y'all did I'm sure now he knows that where you're writing it from it's you know from a place of of love so I think um motherless when I wrote motherless child I was at even though it was two years ago and that's where I talk about you know my mom's addiction how my family handled it different things with them but i just touched on it cuz the main focus of the book was my mom's addiction and how i acted out in different ways so of course mm-hmm. two years later um i'm at a different place the the story would be the same but the way it's written would change right. because you know healing no matter how much you heal, you always, to me, healing is like forever. So the words I would use, uh, certain emotions, um, certain parts would be more emotional, certain parts would be less. So being that now you're at a, a place of love and healing, I think, you know, maybe him reading it will say, Oh, okay. This is not what I thought it would be. Right. My Will for His Way. What did you talk about in
2: that chapter? Uh, My husband had left. We were, our marriage was over. And I had no idea what to do, how to make it right, range of emotions, um, all, all kinds of things, hurt, anger, just everything. And once the dust settled, where I found myself was realizing, okay, it's, it's over. You know, it's over. He does not want this marriage. There is nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can say to him that will change his mind. It's just over. It's done. And when I came to grips with that realization, I, I prayed and I asked God for help because at that point I realized I had nothing else. It was all the marriage was already over. What did I have to lose? And I said, Okay, God, show me how to get through this. And I I took those, you know how sometimes we get these feelings in our head or these thoughts in our head when we ask God to, to help us through something or when we ask God for something. You know, we ask him the blessing and then we kind of get these ideas in our heads as to how he's going to do it or how we want him to do it. Yeah. And so I, I just got rid of all of that, you know, and just kind of went like blind. Okay, God, just, just give me a memory lapse, take everything out of my head, give me a clean slate. And now I am going to, when I ask you what to do and when you tell me, I'm going to do it. When we, when we ask God for, for things, like I said, we have an idea or, or we want him to tell us this way, you know, or, or that way. And then when he doesn't, you know, then we're upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I just decided that I was giving up. I gave up my marriage. I gave up my husband. I gave it all up. And when I say gave it all up, I mean, I gave it to him. And I gave up trying in my own strength, my own intellect, and I just basically just decided I'm going to lock arms with God and I'm going to let him walk me through this. It was like I was walking in a dark tunnel where I could see absolutely nothing, but I could feel God holding my hand. And he was literally just leading me through the darkness. And so that's what the chapter is about. I just, I gave up everything that I knew. Surrendered my will, how I wanted God to do it, how I wanted it to happen. You know, I gave it all up. And I just trusted God's will for my life. And literally, if my marriage didn't reconcile, I got to a point later on where I was even okay with that because I had developed along the way. I had developed such a faith in God and such a relationship that I knew, okay, if it's not God's will, that this marriage get back together, I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to crack up again. I'm not going to lose my mind. You know, I'm going to be okay. Well, kudos to you. I could
0: say that um, because it was, it's almost like, You know, when I'm listening to you talk about it, it's kind of like the hurricane happened and then you had to decide whether you were going to stay in the house and let a tornado hit it or run outside into the rain. But either way, it wasn't as bad as a hurricane, but it was still stormy weather because giving up like your will just to almost accept and trust like blind faith sometimes that's Mm -hmm. almost harder than
2: the actual storm yeah see I had I I had nothing I had nothing left you know that's what made it um because I, I had a husband who we were best friends and then overnight he announced this marriage is not working I'm leaving it was like I I had nothing else left. I had to grieve. I went through a grieving process, you know, and so I it, I felt okay, it, it's over. You have nothing left. Yes, indeed. It was hard. It, it was not easy. A lot of bumps, and when, when, when we talk about storm, my God, was it ever. You know, um, good times, you know, bad times, good days, bad days, um, therapy, tales, everything, you know, um, but I, I got through it and the, the thing is, is that you, you learn how to trust God through, through the storm. Yeah. So, uh, one, one last
0: question, just thinking a, a, about, you know, it's not easy being married. So let me just throw that out there for all my
2: <laughs> engaged
0: single um, sorry yes. eyed because they're in their 20s it mm-hmm. is It. I mean one day everything could be great and next thing you know there's socks on the floor and nobody sees them but you and that's the <laughs> thing that makes you click you know like you don't yeah. you you never know so you have to have um, faith and, yeah. and be scared of jail uh,
2: <laughs> yeah Indeed. I always say marriage is definitely for grown people. Mm. It's definitely for grownups.
0: Having gone through that storm and obviously reconciling. And I know anyone that reads your chapter definitely will, you know, understand a little bit more about your story. But is your marriage better and stronger having went through this or, or did it pick up where it left off.
2: I say this often that my husband and I separating and our marriage falling apart was the absolute best thing that could have happened to each of us as individuals, as well as our marriage. Mm -hmm. Best things that could have happened.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, sharing that and being honest, especially about a, a story like that, because... A lot of people will, you know, will draw their own judgments when it comes to, you know, a relationship and how you go in, how you in it and how you out. And, you know, people have their own judgments, but until you walk in it and you never know, because everybody I'm sure can agree to having went through things that they said they would never do. Right. You know. You know, because firstly, when you say that, I'm like, oh, they wouldn't find my husband's body. You know, that's my first initial reaction. And, you know, that initial anger and for you to be able to come back from that to having the strong marriage you have today, that's definitely something, you know, to be said. I mean, I'm saying they wouldn't find my husband's body. That's my initial reaction. (laughs) But in all honesty, anybody that knows me. Know I am claustrophobic. I am not trying to go to jail.
2: There but were I days I wanted to kill him. There were there were days that I prayed and I asked God and I and I pleaded with God and I said, you know what? Just kill him. You know, really, because honestly, because there was a time when I didn't know, I didn't know what was gonna happen is he going to come back? Are we going to get back together? Are we not? There were days when he would seem like, you know, we're getting closer Then there were days when we're far apart again and it was just up and down. And so I didn't know. And so I um, would just tell God, just, just kill him. That way I know he's not coming back. You know, pain will do that to you. (laughs) Pain will make you really come out of character. um, Like literally, and so yeah, there were days I just, you know, if he was dead, then I would know, you know. And uh <laughs> you
0: know so where he serious. was. Like I don't mean One to of, laugh. I don't mean to laugh, but yeah. like, I understand what you're saying. Um exactly. you know. <laughs> so uh I told the storm is available on Amazon and I'ma just throw this out here. You go can go to bit dot lee slash the storm book and pick up your copy it definitely has some great stories um in there and i say stories but like real life true life like oh my goodness yeah. type stories that you can learn from because all of us you know go through different storms of life so when can uh queen angela when can we expect your book. Is it a twenty twenty release? Like I'm not gonna put pressure and say what month, but I just wanna, you know, know is it a, a twenty twenty release or definitely a
2: twenty twenty release. Um, okay. This so... project has just got me so fired up and yeah. Yay. So uh yes. when you when
0: you do get ready to release it and stuff, you're gonna come back on the show and and talk about it.
2: Definitely.
0: So how how can the audience connect with you and follow you? And that way they could, you know, keep up when your book does drop and get I told the storm. How
2: can they connect with you? I am uh, uh, actually I'm on uh, Facebook, um, Angela Claiborne Coaching on IG at Angela Claiborne. And I also have a blog, Graciously Me
0: at um queen angela yes. so the show is the find you radio class in session and at the end of every show we do like to give the audience homework so um that responsibility is on you okay
2: you wasn't okay. ready for that huh I wasn't ready for it, but I've, I've I've got something for that. Take care of yourself, okay? You first, and that's not selfish, but what happens is when you take care of yourself first, when you pay attention to yourself and your needs and you attend to those needs, you are so much more equipped to take care of those around you, Mm. okay? I think a lot of times when we don't take care of ourselves, okay, we're just an open door for everyone else to just dump on us, whether they mean to or not. Um, Take care of yourself first. Take, Take a day, take a couple of days, Take a certain time in each day and make it about you and you only. You know,
0: y'all know I'm an advocate of self-care and enjoy my monthly massage and facials. I'm just saying. So thank you so much, uh, Queen Angela, for being on the show. Audience, pick up your copy at bit.ly slash the storm book. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to Define You Radio. If you got something out of today's session, you want to share your story, uh, make sure you share the show, first of all, with your friends, family, and foes. We can't leave them out. Subscribe and leave a review. And remember, your past doesn't define you. It gives you definition. And what you do with that is up to you.